What's up, Military Millionaires? I'm your host, David Prey, together with Alexander Felice, who is on the road doing cool real estate stuff today. And we have Brent Bowers, who served in the Army for eight years and has transitioned into buying and selling and investing in land, which is just a cool asset class to me because for one, I'm not an expert in land investing. And for two, I have never owned a property that doesn't involve some land. So I feel like I should know more about it. And so I like talking about the subject and learning about it. Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. Vehicle one, you're clear to depart friendly lines. Roger, Vic one, Oscar Mike. With that being said, Brent, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. What's up, military millionaires? There you go. That's it. Why don't you uh, give a little background about uh, you know yourself and how you got into this uh, rather small niche in the real estate world that I think is pretty cool. Yeah, it's a long, boring, sad story, but I'll I'll give you the 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 kind of the Reader's Digest. Um, you know, I got my I graduated high school two thousand four. Got my real estate license two thousand six purchased my first property, my first home in 2007, had to borrow money from great grandma. Um, and my plan to pay her back was I was going to get a real estate commission when I purchased this house. And um, everyone knows what happened in 2008. Yeah. So I pretty much purchased the house at the top of the market, paid great grandmother back, had just gotten my real estate license, uh, and then pretty much moved to the coast to work that real estate license and uh, rented that house out for 900 a month. My mortgage was 750. I thought I was doing great things. I was now a landlord. Um, I rented out at the top of the market and the person's credit wasn't that great. Um, I learned the hard way that if you're going to get top top dollar for your, your uh, rentals, you're probably not going to get the best tenant because the best tenants don't have to pay the most. So kind of learned through the, the school of hard knocks with that and Real estate was sucking in 2008, so I knew I needed something different. So I tried to join the Air Force, and uh, I am don't laugh too hard, um, but they wouldn't let me in. So thank God there was an Army recruiter nice enough next door to take me in um, before yeah, I knew it. Anyone. Yeah, they will take anybody. So <laughs> I, 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 I'm waiting for the jokes. Um, I can take them. Alex but Army, I work so with a couple of Marines. <laughs> on my uh my cruise i do some houses too and they're all marines so i, I take bad. it on a daily basis the <laughs> jokes um but anyhow joined the army before i knew it i was in afghanistan the first time and then i always had this passion to get back into real estate so i was in europe for a couple years and then when i got back to the states in 2013 i hit it hard and uh bought another rental property, ended up house hacking that one and then purchased another one. And then um, the army, it kind of took, took its toll. And I was always gone away from my family, starting a small family, had our first baby. And I knew I needed to kind of get out because I, I just, just gone so much. So I thought I was going to do it by wholesaling houses. And that was pretty tough. And I was throwing away all the vacant land, uh, 
the, the vacant land that was on my list because my mentor told me to. And then one day I heard this guy on a podcast talking about buying these, these pieces of land super cheap at the tax auction. I knew that was way too complicated for my nature. Um, but I know I had been throwing away the land, the vacant land records. So I was like, heck, I'll just mail those too. And I mailed 672 of them, maybe 678, one of those numbers. And my phone must have rang 100 times. Out of those 100 calls, I bought two parcels of land, made some quick cash, and then just kept rinsing and repeating, rinsing and repeating. And here we are today. Um, have hundred about 100 notes and um, passive income is on average somewhere around 41,000 a month on land payments. And we haven't looked back yet. Um, so that's my short story compacted. Like how casually he was like, yeah, you know, 41,000 a month. And, you know, like it was just kind of, eh, it's a pretty solid return for, uh, some land. So I guess my first question off the bat would just be, you, know, you mentioned notes. So does that mean like you're trying to buy, buy cheap and seller finance, off is that kind of the game plan you just hit it on the head that's it that's my land story in a nutshell we buy at massive discounts and i say we buy i i have a team i can't take the credit for this my team is amazing we buy land at a massive discount and we turn around and sell it at a premium because we offer seller financing so that opens up our our buyer pool you know pretty much everybody can afford monthly payments hey um at first you had said um something about people who can afford more won't pay more or something like this. You said um, the good tenants won't pay the higher, yeah. pre- the higher price. That kind of caught my attention. I know that's not really where that story ended, but I'm curious what you meant by that because in my experience, you know, A-class tenants pay the most, not the least. Yeah, so what I meant by that was, and I was trying to keep that story as short as possible. I actually went through three terrible tenants on my first house and my first wife, you know, I'd gotten back from right out of year long deployment in Afghanistan. And she was so mad at me because, you know, we had this tiny little savings on my E3 salary and it all went to fix up that rental property. So the first one trashed it. And then about a year and a half later, the second one trashed it. And I was basically getting more per month than what I should have for that house because I was renting it to people that you know, didn't have the absolute perfect credit. So they were willing to pay more. Um, Now that I own many, many, many more doors, I've gotten property management and it was against, my property manager went against what I wanted to do, but he rents out to like doctors, guys with like 750 plus credit scores, but he rents it out a little less. And what I've learned from him, and I I didn't come up with this myself was, he, he always told me, he was like, listen, the guys that have perfect credit have the whole world to rent. They can choose whatever they want, so they don't have to pay the premium. So if you want to have a better tenant, and I kid you not, he's been right 100% of the time on like, geez, at least 10 doors. Not one of them have ever left my house worse than what they found it. Um, so that's just my experience. Yeah, so there was something I, I kind of, I, I like that. So there was something interesting in the car business where, the janky tenants would be, they'd <laughs> sign up. They, uh, the janky car buyers, they'd sign up for any payment because somewhere deep down inside, they're like, yeah, I'm not going to make this payment anyways. <laughs> or so, I can't believe this guy's, I can't believe this guy's extending this credit type thing. I'll sign for, I'll sign for whatever. So what you're saying is you're asking a bunch and they're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they just weren't qualified. So they're like, you know, you were thinking they were going to pay. 
<laughs> okay, I got you. All right. This um, is like the old too good to be true, right? It was too good to be true. It really was. And, you know, one time, like this guy's paying $150 more a month for my house. And yeah, I paid for it dearly. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really interesting lesson, though. I, I have a, th- a saying I say the most, the cheapest way is usually the most expensive. And um, it's kind of that in reverse where you're like, uh, you know, don't, don't ask for that big premium because you might get nothing, um, especially from that jinky tenant. So I didn't mean to destroy the conversation, but I thought that was an interesting thing. When you, that's what you led with. So no, it's good it's like, stuff. I, and I, I hope this, you know, for the military millionaires, the guys that are PCS and, and they want to get top dollar or maybe break positive cash flow on a house, you know, they might rent it to that tenant that may have a felony. Well, I rented to a fellow one time and they busted out six of my windows. So it's just, you know, learn from my mistakes. You know, smart people learn from their own mistakes. Wise people learn from other people's mistakes. Well, thank God yeah. you got an extra 50 bucks a month for those windows though, right? There you go, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's like the old, uh, what's the adage? Uh, good work's not cheap. Cheap work's not good. Yeah, um, I so mean, true. It, it's the people, I mean, I, in the real estate world, right? It's the people who chase like two, two and a half percent rule uh, houses. They're like, oh man, this house rents for... A hundred thousand dollar house and rents for two grand. This is awesome. Well, eh, there's probably a reason like that it's not more valuable as a home. (laughs) Yeah, I think this is um, I think this is something everybody goes through where when you're new to real, you know, you're new and you're like, I want to get top dollar, and so I'll take anybody, or I just want to get the the thing rented. So I'll take anybody. And you learn after a little while, you're like, don't just go take anybody, do tenant quality, tenant quality, quality. Yeah. So true. Yeah. But but now you don't really have to worry about that because you don't have tenants. Yes. Uh, We still have some doors, but uh, I worry about it a lot less. The worst thing that's ever happened to me with one of my land buyers was, you know, we helped one of them move my, my land specialist. She sells my land. Um, She had helped one of our land buyers move. She's a little, little old lady. So I ended up kind of pitching in and helping as well. And come to find out we were moving her onto a piece of our land. We didn't realize, um, we thought we were moving her to a storage shed. She moved on the land and then the HOA called me and really mad. Um, we had to kind of evict her off the piece of land, but that's like the worst I've had to deal with, with any of our land buyers. So way easier than tenants, no leaky toilets, no termites, no roaches, none of that stuff. Just land. Well, you can't come out of this business unscathed. Oh yeah, that doesn't exist. You got to get a beat up somewhere. You know? What are some of the What are some of the pitfalls with land? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you about some of the pitfalls I've come across. Um, you know, I talked to you about those couple land deals, and after I hit about five or six, and I was still active duty. Um, you know, I couldn't really take phone calls. We were in the field quite a bit and my soldiers would see me in the bathroom, like taking phone calls and like, oh yeah, he's doing another land deal. Cause they knew what was going on, but I got a little cocky. I got a little too confident. You know, I'd made some quick money with land. So I just started saying, oh, well, the assessed value is this much. And I'm only paying like, like half of that. Um, I would just send the check, get the deed sent to me. And I kind of skipped the due diligence phase. Like, Hey, am I buying a junkyard or is, did they buy this land on a treasurer's deed? And is the title clouded for the next nine years? Is this a huge crater in the ground? Could anybody even build on this piece of land? So I kind of bought like three or four right in a row that bit me. So I ended up having to put systems in place to, you know, make sure the due diligence is all done. I've got like 15 things I do on due diligence. You know, is it buildable? 
is there access? Uh, is there 15 cars on the lot? Um, things like that. And then I also run title checks. I do title checks. I've got a title guy that does all of them. And if they're a certain dollar amount over $5,000, I buy title insurance now. <laughs> so some of those are some of the pitfalls. And I didn't lose money on any of those deals. But you better believe I had to offer some amazing seller financing, like low money down and 0% interest. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good, um, this is a good insight, though, because People in this business, you know, when they're new, they're like, they're worried they're going to lose money and which is a good worry. But in reality, in my experience, and like, I don't have the most experience, but in my experience of business, I've learned that it's way worse for a beginner to make a lot of money from the, out of the gate than lose money because you make money. You're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm so good. I'm untouchable. I can do no wrong. I have the golden touch. And then now you're like, well, now you're going to get cocky instantly she'll start oh this is easy i'll just buy everything and then next thing you know you're like oh my god what have i done to myself <laughs> Gosh, that's that's wisdom that's total insight right there that's the about couldn't be the most true thing i've ever heard i think what tony robbins or uh one of those speakers said this if you make tons of money you party if you if you lose money you ponder you know it might have been jim Rohn. But uh, yeah, when you lose money, you really ponder. But when you make in tons of money really quick, like it's the worst thing. Success is sometimes bad, <laughs> especially too fast. Yeah, it doesn't make yeah. you reflect. It doesn't make you second guess your process. It doesn't make you have to worry about efficiency. Uh, the, the other one I go, since, we're, since you're telling me, since you give me, flower me with confidence, uh, compliments. <laughs> I, uh, the other one is I like um, starting broke. That's a really good one. Uh, rather than starting with too much money because it makes you grind every 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 dollar really efficiently rather than if you start with a bunch of money you start with a flip and you're like okay i'm gonna do a hundred thousand dollar flip but i have 200 grand in the bank anytime you have a problem you're like i can throw money at it same reason why lottery winners go broke they're like oh i'm gonna go buy this car dealership in florida it's like you don't know anything about cars or florida it doesn't matter i'll throw money at it and it's like guess what you only have so much but if you start with a fixed amount and you're like bro we only i got a budget and it's not just a paper budget. It's, it's the dollar amount I actually own. We got a hundred thousand dollars to do this flip. And so if it costs me a hundred grand, fine. But if it costs me 110, we're in trouble. Big time starting broke. You know, that's going to be the name of my book. You know, when I come out with it one day, that's, uh, well, you done messed up now because we have this as evidence. So royalty 5% gross. Thank you. Appreciate sorry. You get, you planted the seed in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I look forward to the face on or the look on Alex's face when that book comes out. And it's neither of us. It's going to be someone it's who's listening about, to the show and is like, ooh, me first. <laughs> It'll be about three pages if I write it. So don't worry. Won't be long. Hey, Alex about to get paid. I'm cool. You should write start it. broke. One word per page. <laughs> That's so true. But you talk about buying a car lot. I got into the trucking company with a childhood best friend. Uh, we bought a semi, a trailer, a 3,500 Dually Duramax four-door we lost a ton of money. Like <laughs> we had no business jumping into the trucking company, but it was a little bit of confidence. We were both making money and we thought we could make money in anything, which was wrong. <laughs> yeah. I've done that every time. I shouldn't say every time, but many times after I'll do like a big deal and I'll have a bunch of cash. I do this thing where it's like, let me go try these. Let me go try my hand at some things that maybe I'm not really good at. And I get frivolous and then they don't work out. Well, because frivolous, investing is just a lousy ass approach in general. So, but those are good lessons to learn. 
So true. Yeah. yeah. Someday maybe book. Write it down, embellish it, talk about it, and put it back there on the bookshelf for someday maybe. You know, so many opportunities. And the more I think the more successful we come, the more opportunities come our way. So we just have to say no to most things. <laughs> yeah. 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 Isn't that the truth? Emails. Oh, it's like to the point where I, I it, some of them you're just like, uh, how do I like even respond to half of these? I just like, uh, maybe they'll, if they don't email me a second time, it wasn't that important. I'll just pretend I didn't see it, <laughs> which so true. I try not to do, but granted half those people are, you know, like, Oh, I read your article. Can you link to this article? It's awesome. Uh, go away. Go <laughs> stop. like, no, no, I'm not spamming links to you. Sorry. Uh, but anyway, actual opportunities start coming more and it's easy to get distracted. But I agree with what you guys are saying. So I mean, easy. Alex knows I lost like 30 grand on a flip at the beginning of this year. Mm. Part of that's because I partnered with someone for one or two flips in Hawaii and I got to see very successful stuff. And I, you know, I got to have a hand in that. They went very well and I got very confident. And even though it wasn't necessarily my deal all the way, I was like, oh, you know, these are, you know, these are seven, eight, $900,000 deals in Hawaii. So what's a, what's a house I buy for 12K? Like what's, what's the most I can lose? Well, it was a lot bigger renovation than it needed to be. And <laughs> it shouldn't have been the first flip I ever did solo. Right. You know? And there were other things, right. Things that were totally unforeseen that, you know, whatever, but that's normal. And, uh, yeah, you know, it is what it is. I got confident, probably didn't need to. And uh, well, le good lesson learned. So good education. You paid yeah, good, good yeah. money for that education. Absolutely. So what is the, you know, I mean, I guess the question I would ask, a lot of people get into real estate that as they grow, they scale, they grow, they scale, they want to whatever. Like with land, is there a scalability factor as far as like you buy bigger acreage or do you buy more deals? Or is it just kind of like, I guess you could probably go at whatever your own pace is, but I'm curious if somebody wanted to get into land and they started having some success, like what would scaling that look like? Yeah, the, you can scale it. That's a great question, actually. You can scale it multiple ways. And that's really why I like scaling or I really why I liked land because it was so easy to scale. You know, when we're wholesaling houses or flipping houses, every property we sell, after we sell it, we lose that, leave that closing table with that check or that wire, we start over again. But the good thing about our land is now we're, we, well, let me back up a little bit. Good thing about land is when we sell a parcel of land, we're going to get payments for a certain amount of time. So our average was five years. Now we're doing some bigger deals and we're doing 30 year mortgages on them. So I know that every time my team or I do a land deal, I'm going to be paid for the next three, five, 30 years, three, three to 30 years, basically. So as if we do, let's just say one a week. And at the end of the year, we've increased our business by 52 land sales. We have 52 more notes paying us anywhere from a hundred to $900 a month. So each one of them allows us to scale that, that income. And you know, what's crazy is land got a little bit more difficult to buy when this whole COVID-19 thing popped out, but it got easier to sell. So it's almost like the same thing as a housing business. You got a buyer's market or you got a seller's market or you got a land buyer's market or a land seller's market. So it's almost like they reverse opposite each other basically. Um, so as far as scaling, the second way is buy bigger deals, partner with people. When people hear what you're doing, they come at you like, I wanna partner with you or I've got money sitting in this whole micro line of credit, we're not touching. You know, you say you earn 300% ROI on that one deal. 
would you pay me 6%? And it's like, sometimes it's like, I get, have to kind of calm myself a little bit. Heck yeah, I will type thing. So yeah, David, he said $47,000 a month. What kind of scale do you need out of this? That what kind, well, how much more do you need? <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't the, the dollar so value. Greedy. I am the dollar value. It was, how do you scale? Do you go acreage or do you go parcels? Right. You know, that kind of, that kind of thing. And he answered that. So thank you very much, Alex. <laughs> uh, although my next question off of that, which has nothing to do with money, since apparently I'm the selfish prick over here, uh, says the guy who wants to be paid for this thing I've done for free for two years called hosting a podcast. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, <clears throat> and just shut off Alex's screen and mute him real quick. And uh, anyway, I'm gonna distract myself here. My next question was: Do you have zoning preferences? Right? Like, is there is there a certain type of land use that you find to work better for this? Or because I mean, I could imagine right in like it say rural wherever right like farmland could be just as valuable maybe if not more than commercial. I don't know. I'm curious there, if there's no. zoning types that you prefer or. You know, if it's just kind of every zoning type has its like method, I don't know. What's up, military millionaires? I wanted to briefly talk about a service I offer that a whole lot of people don't seem to know about. And I guess that's a failure on my part for not having discussed it enough. So look, finding a realtor that understands investing and or the VA loan or, or both is not always the easiest thing in the world. And finding a lender, same thing. So what I have started doing is I've built a, well, I have a large network, but I've started to compile it all together finally as a legitimate uh, Excel document driven, location driven list for you guys, essentially. So what it, what it is, is basically just my way of helping connect you with a realtor or a lender that I know personally and have vetted and talked to and understand that they're not going to screw you. And what I do is like, for example, I had a market where I had two or three agents that I all sent the same person as a connection and said, Hey man, you know, I, I trust, I, I know all of these, let me know what you think. And they all said the same agent and same thing. So what I've done is if there's multiple agents in the same market, I choose the best one and that's who I'm going to hook you up with. But the whole point of this is just to help ensure that you get connected to the best agent. So if that is something that you would like, just go to the website, go to from military to millionaire.com slash VA dash realtor slash, or just reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook, whatever. I'll send you the link or you can find it on the resources page of the website. But look, all it is is a way to help connect you with an agent who's going to hook you up. No, I don't charge a fee for you. No, I don't charge a fee for the agent. It's just a way to hook you guys up. At the end of the day, as a buyer, you're not going to pay for a realtor anyway. So, ta-da, it's magic. You might as well use one. As far as VA lender, I've got a really good one that I work with and know very well. There's several others that are pretty good. And I'll probably try to steer you away from some uh, companies that I just don't think are very reputable or have been very helpful. So, you know, if this is a service that sounds good to you for free 99, then uh, reach out. And if not, then uh, enjoy the show right now. Yeah, me, I, I prefer rural land. Um, I like it super simple. I just got off the phone or I got off a podcast today with Brent Daniels. He prefers infill lots, you know, lots in the city, in areas that are growing, because, you know, you can wholesale those really easily, get them under contract, sell them to your cash buyers really quick, make a huge pile of money. Some guys focus on commercial. I've got a student that purchased six lots in the last six months and two of them netted him $150,000 net profit. And they are both commercial. Um, you know, I will buy the infill lots. I'll buy the commercial lots. I'll, I'll buy anything I can get a massive discount on. Um, another ask or another zoning would be 
uh, agriculture land. You just mentioned that um, most of the time ranchers that have cattle and or farmers that are farming the land, using the land, making money with the land, that's their livelihood. They're never going to sell it at a massive discount. They're going to sell it at you know 10 times what it's worth for development. But if we find there, there's an area of 50 acres, 120 acres that's not being farmed or grazed for cattle, we'll make a massive discounted offer. And sometimes we get it. So that's probably what I do the least. And then there's industrial land. I have never touched it. I don't know anything about it. So let me ask you the difference between uh, really like really strategic asset purchasing versus like spray and pray. Cause I assume you're doing massive mail campaigns and you're like, bro, I'm going to, I'm going to essentially lowball you and I'll take what I can get. But where's the balance between, like you said, Hey, I'd really like to get this discounted agriculture land and I'll take it what I can get it. But how much do you focus on like, Hey, I'd really like to get something in this area versus um, it's just kind of, I don't want to say luck of the draw, but you know what I mean? Where it's, yeah, there's a balance being targeted and also like, Hey, you're going to get what you get. Yeah. And I do try and target an area. So for instance, that recreational land, I've got, I've got about seven counties I kind of target and they're, they're really recreational. Here's the definition of it's like, you know, one to 10 acres, about an hour outside of the city. You can build a cabin or a tiny house or camp on it or four wheeler and dirt bike on it. Um, but I get targeted with those and I send what I call the LOL, the land offer letter. Um, the reason why I call it the LOL is when every time I get one back signed, my team laughs out loud or the seller laughs out loud because they're offended by my offer. Um, I don't really do math. Go ahead. Do you, I'm sorry, real quick. Do you offer in the initial, do you put the dollar offer in the initial uh, correspondence? To the penny. Yes, in the initial. And okay. then the guys that don't answer that, I send a, a postcard, pretty much a handwritten postcard. Cheaper, less work in the front end, but a lot more calls to my acquisition manager. So but uh, so you do the lowball, and if they don't answer, you send them again, but say, let's have a conversation. Exactly, exactly. And that's where we get those other lots, like you know those commercial lots or those infill lots. So it is kind of... The first one is more of a, a targeted approach. Hey, here's what we'll pay. And then it's not it's not massive campaigns. It's nothing like these guys that send 5,000 letters a week out for houses. I mean, we're mailing about 300 a week. Like it's, what does that work out to? 40 nothing. something a day, nothing. 40 letters a day. Yeah. Um, it's just nothing. And then I try and beat a half percent acceptance rate. So if I send 200 letters out, I get one accepted offer. It's not always that good. Um, lately, it's slowing down a little bit more, um, but it's not really massive mail campaigns. Um, and then we'll do the infill lots too. And we just generally just send them a postcard because it's like impossible to figure out like the growing areas. So we just want to have a conversation. Uh, what about geography? Where are you guys located? I'm in Colorado. So is, that's my favorite state. To is that where you, uh, yeah. Is that where you, everybody from Colorado loves it there. I don't know it, but- is that where you guys are buying? Yeah, I'm, I'm buying in Colorado, Arizona, um, and Florida. And we're heading to Florida Friday. So the whole time we're driving, we're looking at land. So we're going to be on a three-week trip out there. But Florida's pretty good, too. You know, during the building boom, they subdivided pretty much the whole entire state. So you can get land at pennies on the dollar out there in some areas, too. Fascinating. When you say pennies on the dollars, are your, is there a, like, what are you, your initial offer, right? Are you aiming like, what is this, like 20%, 15%? What do you? 
20 to 30 is my sweet number. Um, it seems like my average across a lot of areas, like there's some other areas like, um, you know, down South Colorado will, will offer like, you know, like 19 cents on a dollar. And then how we, tr- how we figure that out, if we're in the ballpark, we track that acceptance rate. So after we've sent out a thousand letters and we haven't even got three accepted, we know we're offering too little. So we have to kind of, you know, go up 5%, 10%, something like that. So sometimes we'll get crazy and just offer half the excess value just to kind of, you know, just throw it out there and see what sticks. Um, but generally we try to be a little bit more calculated with it. Yeah. It's kind of still a tough business though. Cause I'm sure you get a lot of, you know, fuck you, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, we do. You know, sometimes they'll write that on the paper and fax it back to us. It's like, bro, that's come on. Yo, yo petty. It, it, so I, that's Alex got a petty. Yeah. <laughs> You went out of your way to fax this to who even how hard was it to find the fax machine to send me this letter? <laughs> who faxes? I swear they do it though. So weird. they're in like the McDonald's, like, hey, can I borrow your fax machine real quick? <laughs> Fuck you. That's awesome. Yes, though. I've used a McDonald's fax machine before to make something happen. That's how I know it works. <laughs> that's 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 awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's terrible. Oh, all right. So what's the, what would you say somebody looking to get into land right now? Obviously like, you know, if someone's listening to this podcast, you know, the, the right answer is not, all right, cool. Write 300 offers on the back of a piece of paper and mail them to random addresses. It's probably the wrong go-to. So what yeah. would you say? Like, where would, where would someone look to get started in this? Let me give some action steps to the military millionaires. Um, so kind of like I did when I first started, you know, I heard a podcast and I was like, I'm not going to go to the tax auction sale. That sounds way too complicated and scary. Um, I'm going to mail the list I already have. And that was a tax delinquent list. I was already mailing the tax delinquent list. So call the county, talk to the county treasurer and ask, hey, who's in charge of keeping track of all the people, the property owners that don't pay taxes on their on their properties. So once you get in contact with, you know, Susie that tracks that list, Ask Susie how to get a copy of that. And she might say, yeah, you got to wait till October when it comes out. No, Susie, I want last year's list. It's okay. I am looking to purchase land from these owners and get the taxes caught up. I'm a land buyer. I don't want to buy the, the, the tax lien or any of that stuff. You know, get that list and it might be hard to read it. So ask them how to read it. Ask them how to figure that out. And then we go to the assessor's office. We get the name of the, the owner. We get the property address or the location. A lot of times it doesn't even have a address um and then the mailing address and we send them a letter we, we the easiest way to get started is send them a postcard hey i'd like to buy your land in wachula lane or whatever call me <laughs> and then start talking just talk to people strike up a conversation you know most of these land sellers they're not like house sellers they're not super uptight emotional they they haven't laid their head there at night they've inherited or they haven't been paying the taxes on it um, get it under contract at a massive discount. How do you know what it's worth? Call a realtor. It's that easy. There's no, there's no house. There's no electric to worry about. There's no septic systems. There's no plumbing. There's no pipes that freeze and sewer lines that need replaced. It's so easy. Everyone's running after these stinky old cat pee houses and they got to sit there with the seller, you know, kneecap to kneecap, dig through the filing cabinet, try and find a death certificate or whatever. What, what do you owe on the mortgage? I don't know. Frank paid it and he passed away. Like we don't have to deal with that stuff with land. It's, you know, it's so easy. 
<laughs> yeah, the flip side of that, well, I like that because uh, when you said there's nobody's emotional, right? Nobody's, it's my grandma's house or whatever. Or um, sometimes I know like uh, people don't even know they own the house, uh, the, the land rather, Some, you know. So there's no emotional attachment at all whatsoever. But also, um, what about on the sell side, right? You're selling to people. It's a highly speculative market, right? What I do is I only care about cash flow. I only care about cash flow that I know that I can get day one. I don't care about anything speculative. Yeah. So um, now I'm assuming your buyers, or excuse me, the people who buy these properties from you, um, what's their deal? Like, how are they? What do your buyers look like? Because you got another, you got the same problem, right? It's speculative. They, yeah. Maybe they can build on it, or maybe they're going to try to flip it like you're flipping it. Yeah. You ever seen uh, Breaking Bad, like Walter White, you know, they're driving that RV around looking for their place to cook meth. And like, that's my buyers. Like they're looking for something in the middle of nowhere that no one's going to screw with them. And they could pay a low monthly, low down payment, a low monthly fee. Now that's only some of my buyers, but the buyer. So uh, here's why I love the recreational land is because usually I buy it. It's so cheap. My down payment almost covers what I paid for that land. So I get my money back really quick. So I get my risk out of it. And I'm almost, you know, I'm almost break even like within the first, you know, two months of me owning it. Um, so selling it, you know, we're selling it on like Facebook and Craigslist and all the land sites. So people put a like a low down payment and a low monthly payment. And these buyers are just kind of looking for places to shoot their guns and get away from the city and camp and look at the stars, take their children out on camping trips and fishing trips and all that. Um, so my buyers are just kind of, you know, they just want to have something of their own for a while there. It was truck drivers. I don't know what it was. And then we hired, um, a Spanish land sales agent. And then for a while there it was, it was, uh, Latino construction workers. And now it's like, grandmothers and grandfathers buying land because we have a uh, retired <laughs> land sales lady. So it's really kind of crazy to see like the evolution of our buyer avatar. It's whoever we got in that seat, really. It's really crazy. It's really weird. I'm actually really, really surprised to hear that you have people that want to use the land for what it is. Uh, I I did not expect you to say that. I expected you to say, oh yeah, the next guy's going to flip it too and it's going to go down the line. Oh no. They, no. they want it. They're like, oh, we got to shoot guns or we want to park our RV or we want to go hunting or whatever the case. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, Alex, we're we're actually selling to the end user, the retail buyer. Now, granted, when we sell those buildable lots like in town, when we get those, it's usually like a builder or a flipper that's so sick and tired of flipping houses. So it's like, I'm going to build one from start like from the ground up, which is actually harder because I want to <laughs> control the whole process. That's that's this, you know, the speculative buyer that I have. However, they've done well. With what about, um, yeah, that's, a, that's actually interesting. It makes sense to I, me because I grew up in the Midwest. So like I have friends who bought land for whether it was hunting or, uh, you know, even mudding, right? Like I had a buddy who owned like 50 acres because him and his dad and whatever had big trucks and they got sick of getting kicked off places where they wanted to go play around in four wheel drive. So they bought like this monstrous piece of land with a pond and, you know, whatever. That is awesome. What about, cool. um, <laughs> what about repeat buyers? Do you have somebody that bought a piece of land from you? And then they're like, bro, do you, I mean, do you have like a list of regulars? Yeah, we do. And I love those guys and they're actually buying it for investment. Like their plan is not to just go and build a house one day. And you know, what's funny is those repeat buyers are usually like college students and sometimes real estate brokers. Um, I just, we just sold, 
a parcel of land to these three college students. They drive their RV across America and each place they go, they buy from a land investor like myself. And the next one they're buying is uh, in California. So they're, they're already trying to get their next one. Um, and what's cool is referrals. Uh, once you make a happy land buyer, like once you transfer that deed, like they tell their friends. Like that's the ultimate success in this business. So some people are sitting on it, real speculators. Like, yeah. oh yeah, in 20 years, <laughs> yes. they're going to want to build a Walmart here and I got them. <laughs> so true. I mean, we've got some stuff on uh, Route 66, like, which is yeah. cool. So one day something's going to come through there. There's nothing out there right now. Yeah. Nothing. Do they know that Route 66 like is in decline? Like it's not. <laughs> it's called speculation, Alex. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, yeah. Hey, no. I'm, <laughs> like, you know, I hope they don't listen to this show and like, oh, <laughs> you're killing land right? sales. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and I'm glad you mentioned like Facebook and Craigslist and stuff. I was going to ask where you're where you're finding where you're listing or selling because I, I see now I'm thinking I see Craigslist ads all the time in my area about land. And I'm always like, wow, that's cool. I wonder who's selling that. Now I'm thinking like, oh, there's probably a certain, it's probably the same guy in same my guy. area who's selling all of those. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah, I would not have thought, um, I would have thought de developers for sure. Um, or like the, the next, the next uh, land flipper, but yeah, that's an interesting demo demographic you have there. Yeah. Yeah. There's plenty of people out there that don't mind paying a monthly payment. And, you know, just going back to my childhood, we never had any land growing up. My parents bought 21 acres when I turned like 18 years old. And it was like the, you know, a dream come true. Like, I was like, oh my God, we got this land and they're building a house and too bad they did it when I'm about to move out. But um, it really changed my family's future. Like now that my my sister has two children, we have three kids, you know, we go out there and, you know, they can just run like crazy, um, you know, on this piece of land and don't have to worry about anything. They're not going to get hit by a car or, you know, go in the neighbor's yard. Like it's just, I don't know. I always wanted that growing up and then my parents finally did it. And I see a lot of people that kind of want the same thing. Yeah. My brother's like that. Like I'm from up North where, you know, there's not that much land sitting around waiting to get scooped up, but you know, he's like, I just want to buy a plot of land and then I'll figure out how to buy a, build a house on it later. That's just not something I would do, but I, under, you know, he's not the only one. So I get that. So many of our buyers are like that. You know, we've got this, um, the Latino, one of the Latino couples, like they bought seven acres from us, uh, just South of Fort Carson, Colorado, and he's going to pay it off. And then he's going to build his, his dream home on his seven acres. And it's, it's just really cool seeing that. And we've got some guys in Florida that they had just gotten um, their American citizenship and then purchased land from us. And that's when like you pray, like, please, God, let them never default on these payments. Cause you know, that's the ugly part of the, about this business. You know, we talked about the car sales, you know, no credit check, no background check. Someone comes and puts a, a low down payment and a low monthly payment affordable. We try to make it affordable, but sometimes, you know, things happen. So, you know, people will just raise their hands up and just stop paying after like six or eight months. And we're already, we're already positive cash flow on it. So we'll, we'll sometimes renegotiate if they're willing to, you know, we drop one down from $3.99 a month to $80 a month, but some people won't even do that. They just let it go 
and we resell the land, um, which kind of sucks, but it really, really brings up our ROI as well. Um, and if they ever come back, we, we credit them towards another land. But, you know, that's the ugly truth about this business, too. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that's cool, though, because if you already made all your money back, you know, oh, yeah. essentially owe the place whatever. <laughs> like, yes, that's I definitely would jack your ROI up, which is awesome. And the cool thing is, you know, if you're buying at such a discount, I'd imagine, you know, you might you might sell retail. But with the seller financing, like you're probably selling the home at least at something of a discount to the end user, too. So it's not like, you know, you're not asking 120% of ARV or whatever and hoping it sells like you're flexible because hey, like I don't have any money in this thing anymore. Yeah, you can totally be flexible. And it's like, you know, we might be asking for $500 a month for this piece of land. Someone can only come up with $299 a month. You better believe that we will sell that land and we'll just extend, you know, okay, we were going to do it for 0% interest. We'll, we'll do it for 2% interest or, or 5.5 and we'll extend your payments out type thing. Or heck, you, you can only afford that much. So we'll do it for 0% interest. We're just going to extend your, your month so we can get the goal of what we wanted to sell this property for. Yeah. And it works out. That's cool. I like that. All right. So I got a few questions that I ask every guest. All, All right. right. Ready. Uh, the first one being that if like an E1, E2, right, a young 18 year old was to walk up to you and ask you for advice, whether it life advice or real estate advice or, you know, whatever, like what's the one thing you wish you knew when you were 18 about life? I just read this book called The Wealthy Gardener. And I wish this is like the book of the year for me. You know, I wish somebody would have forced me to buy that the day I graduated high school, like not me, someone give it to me because then it wouldn't be worth it. But I paid for it. Like Brent, go out and buy this book right now. You've now graduated high school. You need to read this book. So I wish someone would have forced that on me. Actually, I just saw that on a list and I want to say it might have been an Elon Musk list. I don't know. It was on a list of like, that was a book that came up on a list of someone fairly high profile. I was like, that's an interesting yeah. sounding book. Cut out for me. I didn't hear it. What was the name? Uh, the Wealthy Wealth Gardener. Yeah. Me and Elon oh. usually talk about that list about once a month. So that was on his <laughs> list. No, <I'm> <laughs> I wish I wish I'd meet that guy one of these days. Oh man. All right. Number two resources, right? What's a, what's a good resource, a book, course, website, you know, whatever that you would recommend anyone looking to get started in land investing? Well, obviously I'm going to say myself because yes. I teach people how to do this, but you know, there's, there's so much out there. There there's books on it. There's other people out there teaching this. You might not like the way I talk. There's other guys out there. There's not a lot of people in this space uh, because I, I feel like, you know, a lot of people still don't really realize how to make money in land. Um, so I would say me, you know, I teach people how to do this. Uh, and I just recently, I started in June about six months ago. Um, and, but there's also other guys out there and I'll even name their names. You know, you got the land geek, you got Jack Bosch, you got the land Academy, um, all great, great guys. Um, so there's people out there teaching it. There's podcasts. I mean, golly, go out there and take some massive, imperfect, crazy action. You know, guys that take action, pull the trigger readjust, aim again, pull the trigger, and eventually you'll get it right. right. And, and of course, my, my final question was, where can people get a hold of you? And in this case, <laughs> where would people reach out to you to learn more about land? Thanks, David, for asking. Yeah. Um, you know what? You could check me out on Facebook, Brent L. Bowers, Brent L. as in Lima, Brent L. Bowers. 
Um, or, you know, go to the land sharks.com. That's T H E L A N D S H A R K S.com. The land sharks.com. You know, I'd love to get on the phone, see if I can answer some questions, see if it's a good fit. And, you know, I wish I would have started this when I was at E1 or E2 because I mean, my first piece of land was $285. Like I had that as an E2, maybe not E1 though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Maybe once a month. It all went to the Mustang payment. Yeah. yeah. Get rid of the Mustang, buy the land. <laughs> oh, man. Especially be, like with the note piece. I, I really like that aspect of this. I've been reading some books on seller financing and notes and note investing and stuff just because I like the way that you can play with the numbers. So I, I think that's I think that's really cool. A lot of cool opportunity there. So true. Yeah, you can pretty much. And I don't usually, you go, you said something about selling land at 120%. There have been a few parcels that I've sold for about 120%, but because I, I created the financing, I mean, geez, look what we pay for a $200,000 house over 30 years. We're going to pay yeah. 460,000. I mean, these banks have these mortgages figured out. So well, yeah. the government takes the risk. So that helps. Hey, yeah. So true. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're taking the risk there, Brent, I mean, that's, you know, all the reason to get some reward off it, right? Like if you own this thing cash, no one else is at risk for this thing. So, yeah, that's except true. that, you know, you get the bang for it. So I like it. Well, Brent, thank you so much for joining us this evening. This has been, aw- you know, I should start saying morning because the shows come out on morning, even though it's like dark outside. Hmm, I don't know. Anyway, thoughts for anyone in the comments on the show who wants to tell me which one sounds more authentic, but. Oh, you don't lie to your listeners. How about that? How about that? <laughs> you can say morning, but I'm going to say night because it's nighttime. So I'll never lie to our listeners. It's assuming you still get to talk. <laughs> Brent, what I was saying is this has been awesome. I actually, I really enjoyed this. So I find land to be a very interesting asset class to talk about. And you have done a very, very, very good job of breaking down a lot of stuff that I did not know or haven't had the chance to talk to people about. So I really appreciate it. I think this has been a really solid breakdown. I know that our listeners got a lot out of this and I'm uh, certain that especially Mike, who I just gave a shout out and he knows who he is, might hit you up, but no, there will be people who reach out to you from the show for sure. So I love it. Thanks so much for having me on the Military Millionaire. Such an honor. Great show. You guys are doing awesome things. Appreciate it so much. Absolutely, brother. Have a great evening. You too. Thanks, Brian. Not morning, like Alex wants to say. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarymillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.